Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. And could barely sing this morning. The Son of Suffering. It's just it declares who Jesus is, what He's done. I have to. Um, anytime I sing a new song like that, it's because I'm like, man, I really love that song. But then I begin to lead it, and just in the presence of the Lord, I just can't compose myself. So, um, anyways. It's so good to be with you guys this morning. Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord? Glad to be in church. Um, you know, Wednesday night, um, last Wednesday night, not this coming Wednesday, last Wednesday, we had a night of Thanksgiving. Um, we had a night of worship. And, um, and I'll say this, it was one of the most beautiful nights I've ever experienced. Um, what we did was we filled the room with testimony. We worshiped and then... One, you know, different people around the room just came and they testified, this is what the Lord's done in my life. And, um, and I thought to myself, we need to do this often. We need to do this often to bring testimony, to bring thanksgiving to the Lord for what he's done. You know, one of the, the ways that we overcome, one of the ways that we, in times that could be disappointing, the way that we overcome is that we come into agreement with who the Lord is based on what he's done in our lives. And so I would encourage you this week, it is Thanksgiving week, right? And I love, I love the food and I love the family and it's amazing, but I love Thanksgiving. I love, I love gratitude to the Lord. You know, we talk a lot in this house about sons and daughters you know, the attitude of sons and daughters is gratitude because they know the Father, how generous he is and how good. And sons and daughters are very much aware of what they've been forgiven of, right? And so I'd encourage you this week not for just to, look, enjoy, the, enjoy everything that comes with the holiday, but come into Thanksgiving with the Lord. It'll make it that much better, I promise you. Amen. Well, um, we have a special word today from a special person is coming from the person who gave birth to me and so my mom that's uh so mom if you'd come she's amazing i hope you're ready um i hope i'm not like stealing your your intro of what you're going to say but you know we we announced over the last couple weeks a couple of things is that um the first is that this month, we're taking a special offering called the Heart for the House, and um, it's going to go towards um, taking care of a few projects here on the property and also to be able to bless our, past, our, our staff um, that work so hard to make everything happen that happens here. And, um, and so I wanted to invite you into that if you hadn't been able to hear that. If the Lord puts something on your heart, you can just write on an envelope, um, Heart for the House, and then, uh, or if you're giving online, there's a drop-down box. The second thing was, sorry, I should have gotten that for you. <laughs> um, the second thing was, is that in January, we are um, going to be launching a prayer room in this building. And what that will look like is that Monday through Friday, there will be two opportunities in the morning and the evening to be able to come and just be with the Lord in this room. There will be live worship. There will be somebody help facilitating the prayer meeting. But we really felt in our hearts that the Lord was mandating, uh, mandating that. He was saying, hey, I want you to make this a house of prayer where prayer happens. You know, Jesus, when he flipped the tables in the temple, 
he said, my father's house is meant to be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And he came and put things in order, right? And so we believe that the Lord is still saying, I want my house to be a house of prayer. And what he was saying is, I want it to be a place of relationship. I want it to be a place where you come and you're with me and you hear my voice. Amen? So today she's going to be really talking on um, prayer and the priesthood. And so um, get ready. Can y'all give her a hand? I'm going to apologize first to the people in the back because those scriptures I gave you, I have no idea if they'll make it up there or not. Because when the Lord... When John asked me to speak, the Lord had already been speaking to me for a few weeks about some different things. <clears throat> and um, I like to just start out with a bang. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, I have a lot of things that I can teach. I have a lot of things I want to share. But um, it was on a Wednesday night about two weeks ago. I was sitting over there. And um, the Lord gave me a word for you. And um, I'm going to just start out by sharing it because I feel like it sets the tone for what the Lord wants to do today. Because, you know, John, since we've started the church, since the church started, rather, um, there have been certain words and certain things that we have continuously said. It started with presence, right? That was where we started. It was like, if it's not the presence, it's nothing. And then we've moved on to identity and sons and daughters and mothers and fathers and everything dealing with our identity. And so I feel like the Lord, just like that song that we sang a few minutes ago, is rushing to a point. Okay, we're coming to a point now. It's like John, I was sharing with him yesterday some of the things I was going to be saying. He says, so funny, Mom, because... You know, all the things that we've been talking about, they didn't seem to really, like, be connected. Well, this is where they connect. And the new word is priesthood. Because we've heard that, and we've heard the scriptures about being a royal priesthood and a holy nation, that you are a priesthood for God. But to not fully understand what that means, means that you might not... You're not going to miss it because not, God's not going to ever let you miss a thing. But it's something that you need to step into today. And I feel like the Lord has given me this word because he wants you to understand exactly what he's doing right now. So I'm just going to read the word real quick. So the scripture is, faithful is he who called you and will also do it. So this isn't something that you are going to do or perform. It's something God's been doing and you weren't even aware of it. So... He said, this is a study in faithfulness. And so the word study is more like it's an observation. It's like an expectation of something. And so God said he has been incrementally turning back the years of your life and restoring and returning to you a divine expression, returning you to a divine expression of his glory that you were supposed to be. Many of you have stayed unturned and unchanged because you thought you would never be something more and you didn't aspire to anything different. The problem is you have not seen his glory because if you see his glory, you see your potential. You are created in the likeness and image of God. You are the full expression of his glory and his image. It is in your surrender, the turning from your own ways 
and allowing God to change your present expression to the one that he created you for. Okay. So God, there's a scripture that I've always quoted and I didn't quite understand until I heard that and I didn't look that scripture reference up so don't even hold me to it. But it talks about the years that the moth and the locust have eaten, right? That is, that is where you were not fully in alignment with God. But what God has been doing in you unknowingly is just turning back the years of your life, restoring you to righteousness, to who you're supposed to really be. Okay? He is, because you know why? He created you with a certain potential inside of you. Every single one of you is a divine expression of who God is. Inside of you is something incredibly enamoring to God. He put it inside of you to be that. And some of you have not fully stepped into it because you didn't realize who you really were. So today, I'm going to take you on a little history lesson through the Bible, starting in Genesis. Um, when God created Adam and Eve and he put them in the garden, and I talk about this pretty much every time I get up here, because God just keeps giving more and more revelation about it. When he put Eden, which he created a garden, and then he put Eden inside of it, then he put the tree of life inside of that. And that is the place where heaven met earth. Okay? That place of worship and communion between Adam and Eve and God. Of course, you know the story. Serpent came, deceived them. They were expelled from the garden, right? It seemed like it was all over. And violence and chaos filled the earth. God's only desire has been to get back there. God's only desire is to bring his people there. So you're just going to have to bear with me a second to get through this. But... Um, after Adam and Eve, but Adam and Eve were royal priests. Okay, they were to rule, to reign, and have dominion. They were royal priests unto the Lord. They gave up that place, right? Then God began throughout history to establish points where he was trying to restore a godly priesthood in the earth. There was Abraham. Abraham came in Genesis 12, and God told him that he was going to make him a great nation and that it was going to have a priesthood. Well, when Abraham was coming back from a battle, he, and, and this is the reason I believe that it had to come through Abraham. When, when Abraham was coming back from battle, he met a priest he was a priest, and if you can put up Hebrews 7, 1. Oh, they don't have the scriptures? Okay, never mind, then I'll read them, sorry. This Melchizedek was the king of Salem and the priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, he resembled the Son of God. He remains a priest forever. So basically, Abraham met the Son of God. 
he met him. And more importantly, whenever Melchizedek met him, he offered him bread and wine. Just like Jesus offered his disciples bread and wine. It was the first position where he, it was, this was a, a type of what was going to happen in the future, right? I think that that's really neat. I think that's just great how God does things like that and puts, you know, that foreshadowing in there. But when Abraham left there and he goes back, this is when God brings the promise of a seed to him, right? He, he had no children. He was an old man. He and his wife were far past their childbearing years. God made a promise to him, right? And then he has a son. And then what does God ask him to do? Sacrifice that son. So he goes up on a mountain where heaven meets earth, and he's going to sacrifice his son. And then God provides another sacrifice, right? It's another beautiful picture of what God's about to do in the earth, right? And then through Abraham's seed, Abraham has a Levitical priesthood that comes through him. It's going to be a priesthood that's brought through the law, which is God's way of establishing his presence here in the earth. Because God's going to provide a, tra a tabernacle in the wilderness for his people. I'm kind of going through it fast because I've got a lot I want to share. But he's putting a tabernacle in the wilderness. And in the tabernacle, it's going to be a place of his presence. And there's going to be the priests that serve him and offer up sacrifices for the sins of the people. Okay? So, but right before that, Moses had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. He brought them out, and he brought them to God's mountain. And he wants to take God's people up on the mountain, but God's people don't want to go up on the mountain because they're afraid of God. They don't want to come meet with God themselves. They want Moses to go. And Moses goes up on the mountain. And Moses is meeting with God. And while Moses is up on the mountain, the man who's about to become the first Levitical priest is offering sacrifices to an idol. Okay? He, he's already on the first day, or before the first day of the priesthood even begins, he's already in sin. It's already an imperfect priesthood. Already imperfect. So then, Moses comes down the mountain and he's got the Ten Commandments. And they're establishing the priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, which is not going to be a fulfilling priesthood. It's going to be a priesthood that eventually will die out, right? It's going to be a priesthood that eventually will no longer be necessary because of the law. But then God wants to establish a priesthood in the earth still. So he raises up, much in the future, King David. King David is the line through which Jesus came from, right? Jesus, David's heart was that he was a man after God's own heart, right? which is what God is looking for. He's looking for a people that are after his own heart, not after just serving in, in rituals and ways, but he wants people who are fully surrendered and fully committed to him. So David is, is bringing the, uh, he also, David brought the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of the Lord that was in the, in the temple in the wilderness. He brings it back to Jerusalem. One thing I want to go back when um, Melchizedek met Abraham, he met him in a place called Shalem. It was Jerusalem, the present-day Jerusalem. So 
all of those things, God was having this perfectly prepared plan, these meetings, these things that are happening, Moses, the mountain, all of us is pushing us forward throughout history to bring us to a point. So when Jesus comes, Jesus becomes our forerunner. And I've got to find that scripture since y'all don't have it. Sorry. Anyway, Jesus was our forerunner. He was the one who went behind the veil, became our perfect sacrifice, so that we could enter in and become priests just like him. Okay? We were meant to be in his likeness and his image, in Jesus' image. We are supposed to be the very likeness of him. So that whenever so that that imperfect priesthood would die away and a royal priesthood would come. A royal priesthood that came through the line of Melchizedek, which is an everlasting priesthood. See, you're not a part of a priesthood, a Levitical priesthood that would die out. You're a part of a priesthood that actually is an everlasting priesthood. You are called into that priesthood. You are a part of that because God wants to bring his glory in the earth through you. When priests made atonement for the sins of the people... He was calling his people to become priests so that we could become intercessors for the people that are around us, to destroy the chaos that's in the earth and bring it back into alignment with his kingdom. Okay? We are that priesthood. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, I mean a chosen generation, a peculiar people. God chose you. He didn't choose another people. There's not another people out there running around that God is looking for to become his royal priesthood. You are his royal priesthood. You are the people of his house. You are, are designed and built. You are lively stones built up in him. You are that priesthood. To not acknowledge your priestly right is to deny the very thing that you were born for. the very thing that you're born for. And so, standing here in front of you today, there are roles that priests play in the earth. And I kind of just wanted to take you there and share with you about that because John wants me to talk about prayer. And prayer is essential in the life of a priest, but not just any kind of prayer and not the prayer that you might be thinking of. This is about prayer where your hearts are fully surrendered to the Lord. This is not about coming with an agenda or coming with your needs or your petitions, and those things are all right. This is the kind of prayer that the Lord is looking for. He said, my people are going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Okay, we are coming into a season where we are going to be worshiping him in spirit and in truth. We're going to pray in spirit and in truth. We're going to be praying in agreement with heaven. We're no longer going to be praying prayers that are defined by our circumstances and our situations or our culture. We are going to pray prayers that are going to overcome culture. We're going to pray prayers that are going to define what's going on in the spirit. Okay? And so, what I want to tell you about today, how we get there, 
Okay? First of all, John was talking about thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is done in proportion to who he is. God is great. God is everything. He is more than enough, right? When we come into this house and we're offering praises in this house, it should be in proportion to who he is. Think about that. This is a teaching moment. This is not, you should understand what you're doing when you come into this house and you are offering up praises to the Lord. You are not just coming in and singing a few really good songs, okay? And they do get good, okay? But you are offering praises to the Most High God. You are offering up your life to Him in praise. You are saying he's, His goodness, His greatness is above everything. He is my King of endless worth. There are so many things that you could say, but they're all the greatest thing you could possibly think of. Okay, that's, that, that's Thanksgiving. But we enter into His courts, just like in the tabernacle there were courts. And then you got into the most holy place. Well, there's three parts, but, but then there is praise. Most praise is without words. I know you probably have never heard that before, but it is called a posture of your heart. Praise is the posture of your heart. It is the place, and it's defined in three ways. It's the bowing of the head. It's the bowing of the body. Or it is the prostration of the body. I'm sorry. It is where we prostrate ourselves before the Lord. That is praise. That is called surrender. That is called surrender. That is not something that we're always accustomed to. We don't mind doing this. But, and sometimes we see people that take a knee or whatever. But God is calling us to a place where the posture of our heart is in full surrender to him. It's not just because you look good on the outside doing it. It's like we are doing this as unto him. He is everything, He is our everything, and we are doing it all unto Him. Okay? So, if you're not comfortable with that yet, get ready, because you better be. God is going to do something in you to where you are going to lose your dignity, if necessary, so that you understand His greatness. Because you're going to be doing this throughout all of eternity. Just get ready for it. It's not going to be something that you're going to be standing up there very dignified and pious in heaven. Get ready. It's full-on worship. We are casting our crowns at his feet. And the last thing I want to talk about is the most important thing. And um, I was talking to a group of ladies a couple of weeks ago about this, and, you know, I, I... I wasn't making fun of intercessors because I would never do that because intercessors are some of the most important people in a church. But guess what? You're all intercessors. You are all called to be intercessors. You're all called as priests to weep, it says in Joel 2.2, weep between the porch and the altar for the sins of the people. You're all called to that. You are all called to intercession because our world is where it is today because the lack of a priesthood. I'm going to say it one more time. Our earth, our world is where it is today because a lack of a priesthood. People that have not stood 
for the Lord in righteousness, declaring truth, praying and interceding for the sins of the people. Okay? We have to align ourselves with that idea. Stop sitting back and waiting. You need to dive into the Lord. You need to come into Him. You need to allow yourself to go past all of your bad ideas about who He is. All your bad ideas about religion and what people have done to you and all of those things that have kept you back from what you thought, or even your own sin. It's not about that. It is not about that. It is about you becoming who you are supposed to be. Putting those things that are behind me. What's it um, in, in, is that in Hebrews where he says, putting those things behind me, I press on to the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The mark of the high calling of God is the priesthood. It's the place where you live in agreement with God. You live in a place of semblance with him. You are no longer your own. You are paid for and bought with a price. You don't belong to yourselves anymore. You are his. You are his. And we have to stop feeling like that it's going to happen sometime in the future. It's not happening in the future. This is the future. Look around you. This is the future. If we do not become who we are supposed to be, what is going to happen in the earth? You know, I had a thought when I was standing back there, that scripture that says, all the Lord will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We are the glory of the Lord. We are the glory of the Lord when he is fully operating through us and speaking through us. That is what we are. I know this might be a little overwhelming, but I'm just, I'm telling you, this is where we are today. We are no longer in a position where, I mean, guys, every day you wake up and it's something different. I don't listen to the news. I'm not on social media, but I know what's going on around us. People have no identity. Why don't they have any identity? Because the priests have not done their job telling people who they really are. We have allowed it to slip and slip and slip, and that's why we're here today. We're not, we, we are not waiting on God to come back and rescue us. We are here to take ownership we are here to subdue and take dominion. That's what you are called to. So, intercession. <laughs> Let me get back to intercession. And I do have to look at my... So, um, an, intercessor, blah, an intercessor is not problem-centered, but God-centered. So, if you are praying the problems that are around you, you got to stop. See, intercessors know how to come in. They know how to come into the presence of the Lord. They know how to step into that place where he is and minister to him. That's what this kind of dressing room is for. When, when we're all here and we're in worship, this is just part of it, okay? There's another place. It's called the Holy of Holies. It's the place where we go to have communion with the Lord, it's where Moses was on the mountain. It's where Adam and Eve were in the garden before they fell. It's in the, it was where David was dancing before the Ark of the Covenant and his priestly robes were falling off because he became so undignified. Okay, that's, that's coming into that presence. God is calling you to come into that presence. There's another place that many of you, some of you, I don't know, may have never seen or been. 
This may be all you know of church. It may be all you know about the things of God. God's calling you further. He's asking you to come in. He's asking you to come in. He's ready to receive you with wide open arms. He is not, he is not standing on the outside pointing his finger saying, oh, you can't come in. He's not doing that. He is saying, come in, come in. Cast off all your grave clothes. Cast off all of those things that you used to believe. Cast off all of that stuff and step in to what he's called you to. If it is not us, then who will it be? Right? If it's not you, then who will it be? You have to step into it. Hold on. Um, okay. So, a priest has concern for three things. He has a concern for God's glory and his honor. He has a concern for God's glory and God's honor. It was as when... Um, Moses was standing on the mountain, and God sees what's going on down there, and he's angry, and he's ready to kill every single Israelite that is on the ground worshiping the idol. And Moses stood in their place. He begged God. He, he prostrated himself before God. He begged God. He said, for your glory and your honor, and so the nations will not despise you, Lord, please don't kill this people. He risked his life. He said, Lord, kill me, don't kill them. He risked his life. He was willing to go into a spiritual battle for the lives of the people. He risked his life for them. That's what a priest does. A priest is intimate with God. We talk about that all the time here. I'm not even going to talk about that one. And then risking your life. But understanding that intercession and prayer and stepping into that place with God is not just your right, it is your place. It's not an option, it's your place. Because God wants to redeem this world. He wants to redeem it. He's not coming back to redeem it himself, he's doing it through you and me. His desire and his heart is that we become so conscious and so aware of who he is that we become so much engrossed with him that our lives reflect him everywhere we go. It is who we are. You know, priests in the Old Testament offered sacrifices and it was a bloody mess from what I understand. A lot of times they were knee-deep in blood. That's all they did all day long was offer sacrifices for the sins of the people. God says, I no longer desire that. I don't desire the blood of bulls and goats. He says, I desire a broken and a contrite heart. A heart that is completely mine. Someone whose heart is surrendered and desires God above all other things. Pretty soon there aren't going to be other things, okay? It's just him. It's all going to be about Jesus one day soon. And it needs to be in our hearts already that we desire the things of God above all else. And that requires sacrifice and surrender, which is what the life of a priest is, sacrifice and surrender. But it's also a coming in and a going out for others, 
And whenever it's no longer all about us, and we have stepped into that role of priest, we consider it an honor and a joy to go to that place for others, to intercede for their sin, to intercede over this dark place that we're living in right now. God wants to redeem. He's ready to redeem. He is positioned, and he is so ready to turn things. Because, you know, I do know that God is coming back for a people, right, without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. How many of you have spot, wrinkles, and blemishes? God says, I'm coming back for it. But guess what? He is so responsible for that. You are not responsible for removing your stain of sin from your wounds, from those things. You are not responsible to do that for yourself. God is doing that for you in your surrender, in your surrender, as you're bringing it to him. I mean, some of you stand on the outside thinking you are so messed up, you are so wrong, you are so lost, you are so this and that. You are not. He doesn't see you that way. He does not see you that way. He sees you just like the prodigal when he was coming home and the father ran after him. That's what the father sees every time he sees you. Just because you mess up one day doesn't mean he's disregarding you and casting you off. He's not. He is running after you. He's waiting to put that royal robe on you. He's waiting to put that ring on your finger. He's waiting to put those priestly garments on you so that you can shine like the morning sun. He is waiting for you. This is not half of what I expected to say today, but I just really feel like some of you need to understand you coming in here and going out and going back to your day jobs and doing your thing all week. You know, we had a, a man that came up here the other night and he shared his testimony, he and his wife, and they are so precious. And if you were here, you could not help but be touched by it. But he came up here and when he, he shared his testimony about what God had done in him, and it was amazing. What he shared was absolutely amazing what God did for him. And, and then what happened was the trickle down, the trickle down into his family. He, and, he, and he stood here and he said, fathers, you know what? If you've got these kind of things going on in your life or you're struggling with things, he said, all you have to do is surrender. And then the children, the wife, everybody, healing begins to come in the home. Do you understand? By standing on the outside, by not receiving the full benefit of what God has for your life, by feeling like you're not enough or you're unworthy or you've done way too much and gone way too far. No, it's not the truth. It's a lie. God is for you. God is for you, and he's calling you to himself. He is calling you into his priesthood, the everlasting priesthood that he designed you for, one that is without end. You don't have to worry about your future. Guess what? When you're a priest, you're a part of an everlasting priesthood. It cannot be taken away from you. It's given to you by him. He is waiting for you to step into that. He is waiting for you to step into your place. That's all he's waiting for is for his bride to step into their place, to become who he fully made them to be. That's what he's waiting for. And, and I, I don't say that this is just, 
oh, I'm going to surrender. It's like it is a journey of your life to step into this and to walk with the Lord. And it's like people that I've known for years are now stepping into a new place in their life that they've never, they've known the Lord for years. But now God is doing something that is far greater, far better, far more than they could have ever imagined. Don't stay on the outside of it. Allow God to do it in your home and in your family and in your children. Allow him to do it. Surrender to him. Husbands, you know, in the book of Malachi, there were things that God had against the priests. One of them was the way the husbands treated their wives. One of them was about tithes and or the offerings that they were bringing were, were not good offerings. They were like, of course, they're bringing sheep that are lame and they're diseased and they're sick and everything. See, it's just not bringing the right things to the Lord. And sometimes we do that. We don't just bring the right things to the Lord. We bring whatever our leftovers are. The Lord is wanting you to bring everything, all of yourself, the very best of yourself. But in doing that, God was calling them up. He wasn't pushing them off to the side. He was calling them up. And he, his last thing was he said, he said, I'm going to return the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the children to the fathers. I've, I've, I've had that scripture in my heart for years and years and years because I so know that's exactly what God wants to do. The condition of the earth is because there are no fathers in the earth. There's no priests in the earth. And they need to be turned back. We've got to be turned back so that the children can be turned back. We don't want to lose generations of children to craziness, to things that are so far away from who they are supposed to be. Fathers, come back. Turn back. That was all he said. He said, the, the man that was up here the other night, and when he did, I was sitting over there, and I just felt this prophetic release go out into the the earth. I just like said, that's all it is. That's exactly what it is. Fathers returning, mothers returning, people being restored to their rightful place, taking up their positions as kings and priests. That's who you are. You need to settle it in your heart. I am a king. It says we are a kingdom of priests unto God our Father. We are a kingdom of priests. Those are words that we don't normally associate with ourselves. We don't see ourselves that way. But the Lord is asking you, he's inviting you in to become that. Become that. Not just, a, a, we're not an ordinary people. God said we're a peculiar people. An extraordinary people. You might be sitting here and not feel real extraordinary today. But the Lord says you're extraordinary. But why did I tell you that you don't feel like you're extraordinary? Because you did not see the glory. The glory is in the inner place. That's where you have to go. That's where you find it. You find it by going in. And you have to go in. You have to go in. Oh, sorry. Distract. Squirrel. Uh, anyway, but we have to go into that place. We can't stand on the outside anymore. You have to enter in. You know, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you need to unapologetic about that because that will take you in to the presence of the Lord. That takes you into the presence. But that, even that, if you don't pray in the Holy Spirit, you need to. 
people sit on the outside of that and think they don't really need it because that was for another time or some other thing that it's not supposed to. It is because God wants you to build up your most holy faith. He wants you to be able to enter in to him. Okay. So I'm just going to say this. I'm going to read this one more time and then John can come up and I'm going to close because I'm not a good closer. (sighs) Sorry. He didn't he didn't call me to pastor a church or to lead a great people like yourself. But I just feel like I'm here to speak into your lives, to impart something to you. Because you know what? And I shared a little bit of my testimony the other night. Because when God called me, he called me. I didn't step back. I didn't turn around and go back the way I was. I kept moving forward. And I have walked with the Lord for 38 years. I have walked with him because he is the only thing that has ever held my gaze. Because I've seen his glory. I've seen what's before me. I've seen the potential. I know what I'm supposed to be. I know where I'm supposed to go. But I am no different than you. You are just like me and I'm just like you and we're both made in his image. Your potential is just like mine. You know, Paul said, follow me like I follow Christ. I follow. I don't do anything unless I know that it's his will for my life. I don't, I don't just make decisions on my own or choose my own way. I go to him. I go into his presence. I find out who I'm supposed to be. That's what a, 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 an intercessor, when they go in, they just want the mind of Christ. John's been talking about that. That's all we do. We go in and we find the mind of Christ. We find out what he's saying and who he is and what he wants us to. It it is because we become like-minded with him. So I'm going to read this now. I am incrementally turning back the years of your life. Receive it. I'm restoring and returning you to the divine expression of his glory you were supposed to be. Many of you have stayed unturned and unchanged because you thought you could never be something more or aspired to anything different. The problem is you never saw the glory because if you see the glory, you see your potential. You are created in likeness and the image of God. You are the full expression of his glory. In your surrender, in your turning from your own ways, you will allow God to change your present expression to the one he created you for. Just receive that for your life today because it's what he wants for you. It's all he's ever aspired. He was thinking of it before the foundations of the earth. You're just supposed to walk in it. The path was already made for you. His desire for you, he knew you. He knew everything about you, who you are, what you were supposed to be, what you were supposed to do in life, who your kids were, he, your grandchildren. He knows your legacy. He knows you. He just wants you to get to that place where you know it. He wants you to know it. I love y'all. I, uh, I'll just say this. Um, I could 
I could get up, I feel like, just after that, and I feel like, man, I want to preach a message now, because I feel like what she just said was the culmination of everything that the Lord's been doing in my heart for two years, three years. And, um, and if for you, if you felt like, man, that just went over my head, I'd say this, is you need to ask the Spirit of God, what are you saying in this moment? Because this is that things that are from the Spirit of God can only be revealed by the Spirit of God. And if your heart isn't submitted to the Spirit of God, that what she just said for you will just be like, I don't, I don't get it. But I can tell you this, if you're fully submitted to the Spirit of God, there is no way that you sat here today and you said, it couldn't say in your heart to say, Lord, I want that. You know, I, I'm, I'm, give me two minutes, okay? Two minutes. I know we're already longer than we usually are. Two minutes. But this is the Lord's heart because I, I don't want you to leave today without being able to respond to the invitation of the Lord. She talked a lot about King David. King David never wanted to be a king. He wanted to be a priest. He wanted to be a priest. That's why he would sit out in the field and he would play music and he would worship the Lord. It's where he knew the Lord. It wasn't because he was king that God favored him. It was God favored him long before that. It was when he was in the field by himself that just had this heart that says, God, I want to know your glory. I want to know you. I want to see you. And, as, and I believe the Lord showed David who he was as just a shepherd in the field. And so you know what happens whenever people have that heart that they see the glory of God and they see who they are in Him? Is the Lord says, I want to take that person and I want to put them as an example in the earth so that they can impart who they are to other people. The Lord is looking for those who have fully surrendered to Him as a priest that says, Lord, here I am. No longer am I worried about what anybody else says or thinks about me. I am fully yours. I'm fully yours. That's the heart of the priest is, Lord, I'm fully yours. What do you want? And that's what I want. That's the heart of a priest. That's, so maybe that word priest for us is foreign, but I believe it is what we are going to talk about in this house because it's who we are. I remember two and a half years ago, we were sitting in Miss Ruth Ripley's living room at her house, and we were having a prayer meeting, ready to launch this church. And I remember there was a moment for me in a room full of people where I just began to talk to the Lord and I, in a way where it, it felt like, you know, when David danced before the Lord and, you know, it says they become undignified. It was the undignifying moment for me in my life where there was snot everywhere, there was, I would, but it was before the Lord that I just came into full worship and I wasn't worried about anybody else in the room. It was when I was delivered from the fear of man. And I believe that the Lord wants to deliver you from the fear of man to where it is. I see the Lord, it is Him, it's what He's put in me, it's what He's made me for, and no longer can I run from the calling on my life, and no longer can I just say, well, it's for somebody else, but it becomes this thing where whatever He says, that's what I gotta have. He is looking. We, we, look, I look at David, I'm like, he's the man, but who David was is who you were called to be a heart that's after his heart. So if the Lord reveals something in someone, it is only because he has made it available for you to step into. For me, my life, what I know this, is whatever I step into in the Lord, whatever breakthrough I have, 
It's, it's the Lord did that in me so it could be available for somebody else. Fathers and mothers, why does the Lord want his glory in your life? Because it becomes available to your children. So whatever the Lord does in you, he imparts it to other people. You are the glory of God in the earth. Let's take hold of it. Let's say yes. Let's surrender. Can we stand this morning? I don't know about you, but maybe, look, maybe it's 10 of you in the room that say, hey, I get this. That's all the Lord needs. He's just looking for a heart that's fully his. What does the word say? He's looking for, he, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth for what? A heart that's completely his. Lord, this morning we come to you and I thank you. Thank you that we haven't been called just to try and be better, do better. We've been called as a royal priesthood. It's who we are, it's what we were made for. Everything else is inferior. Lord, I just ask that you would release identity on your people today. As your people, we fully come into surrender to you. Fully come into surrender. Fully surrender to you. Come on, just tell them today, Lord, you have my heart. Lord, have my heart. Lord, we respond today and say that we, we, we respond to the invitation of being a royal priesthood and we say yes. If that's you in your heart, just say yes to him. Just say yes to him. Lord, I bless your people today. I pray that even as they go today, Lord, that you'd speak to their hearts. Lord, and as we gather, as we continue to gather around you, as I thank you, Lord, that we are fully stepping into who we are supposed to be. I thank you, Lord, that we are the, um, the catalyst for revival. It is that through our lives, through us becoming who we are meant to be, Lord, that we will see your spirit poured out. We're, I thank you that it's not that we're just waiting for you to do something. You are waiting for us to fully step in to who you've already made us to be. And I thank you for this moment in time, Lord, where that you have ordained for people to come into that reality of being a priestly king unto you, that we rule and reign in the earth by serving people, loving people, but ultimately, Lord, serving you and loving you. So, Lord, we just love you. I bless your people today in Jesus' name. I bless them with peace and righteousness and joy. I bless them with more of the Holy Spirit. I just thank you, Lord, for impartation today. I thank you that the, there, for those who have been bound, that those who have been heavy, Lord, that you are releasing them into freedom. You are releasing them from the fear of man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.